Welcome to the Christian Life Church Podcast. We hope that you enjoy and are encouraged by this week's message. And if so, we would love for you to visit clcwinnipeg.ca to get further connected with our ministry, to submit a prayer request, or to find out how you can take the next step in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Christian Life Church Winnipeg. And we pray that you would be blessed through the message you're about to hear. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 and it says she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, we've all been on road trips, I'm sure, to some degree, family road trips. We've certainly done our share of them. This one family was on a road trip, and there in the middle of the highway was a sign that said, road closed, do not enter, and off to the right was a a gravel detour that they were having to take. The husband wanted no part of that. He could actually see down the road for a couple of kilometers and thought, well, it can't be that bad. I'm going to just go around the sign. So he went around the sign, and his wife says, honey, I don't think this is a very good idea. It said the road is closed. He says, don't worry. He says, I've got it. No problem. And so he drives down the road two, three kilometers, and sure enough, he comes across a washed-out bridge. Well, there's no way he's going to be able to go any further. So kind of humiliated, he has to back up, turn around, and his wife said those words that every husband loves to hear. I told you not to go down here. And so he quietly proceeds back in the other direction. And to make things worse, as he arrived at the original warning sign, he was greeted by large letters at the back of the sign that said, Welcome back, stupid. (laughs) And sometimes we feel that way. We go for a while in a wrong direction, and then we realize uh, we've made a big mistake. And we feel like we've read those words ourselves many times. Welcome back, stupid. We sometimes have a lot of confidence in ourselves to figure things out. We sometimes say, you know, I've got this. I've got it figured out. I don't have to worry. They say that confidence is only as good as the object that it's placed in. When we go through life, a wise person places their confidence in an an all-powerful, unchanging, all-knowing, everlasting God. Now, Joseph, in our story here today, was was in a place where he was having to put his confidence in, in God. He was having to put his confidence in God because his life changed. And the direction of his life changed. And the circumstances of his life changed. 
And we ask ourselves a question, what do we do when our plans are interrupted? What do we do when, when life suddenly takes a turn that we hadn't expected or planned on? And we had a conversation like that yesterday with somebody in our, in our uh, distant family who's received a cancer diagnosis. And, and one of the things she said was, I'm kind of mad about this. I don't want this. And that's something that happens. Life gets interrupted and, and, uh, and we're oftentimes faced with the unexpected. Sometimes it's just by circumstances. Sometimes it's by things that happen to us beyond our control. In Joseph's case, in Joseph's case, his life was interrupted by God. God changed his plans. And he had to figure out what he was going to do with that and how he was going to cope with it. Sin and and, uh, righteousness don't always go hand in hand. We have a a little quote here that uh, as we live a devoted life for Christ, it's difficult for sin and salvation to coexist. And what, what sin often is, is us doing our own thing. What sin often is, is us living our own lives by our own direction and, and putting self on the throne of our lives and, and not God. And so it's hard for us to follow God and to be absolutely devoted to God and, and at the same time be doing our own thing. So, so sin and salvation have a difficult time coexisting. And so Joseph was in this place where, where it was difficult for him to say, well, I'm going to chart my own course because God came along and interrupted the whole thing. And by the Holy Spirit, his fiancée had become pregnant with Jesus, our Savior. As a devoted follower of Christ, if you really want to follow God, we have to all come to a place where we're consumed with what God wants in our lives. We have to come to a place where we're able to really honestly say, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. And Lord, I'm going to trust you. And Lord, I'm going to walk with you. And Lord, I'm going to put my hand in, in, in your hand, so to speak. And I'm going to trust you. And that's where Joseph found himself. He woke up from this dream where God had spoken to him and just determined that he was going to do what God wanted him to do. And sometimes we all need to have that awakening and say, I, I'm, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And so as we are coming to the end of a year and, and looking at a new year, maybe that's a change you really want to make and say, you know, I've been doing some stuff my own way, and I, I want to put my hand in the hand of the Lord, and I want to do what he wants to do. I want to be radically obedient to him. And so I want to talk to you about this passage of Scripture and a, a few uh, points I want to touch on. And the first one is the, the plan of Jesus coming. We find that, that Jesus' coming was prophesied. It wasn't just something that, that occurred out of the blue, but it had been anticipated for centuries. And you can turn with me and look at, at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 to 13. And it says, when the days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring 
to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom and he is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever and I will be his father and he will be my son and when he does wrong, I will punish him and the rod of men with floggings inflicted by men. This is a, a prophecy about Jesus coming centuries before he came. We also look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to his son. And we'll call him Emmanuel. Again, prophesied long before he came. So there was a plan in Jesus' coming. There was a plan that God had in place. Throughout the Old Testament, his coming was planned. We also see that his, his coming was anticipated. Some of you are old enough to remember the Sears Christmas catalog. And there would be great joy in the house among the kids when the catalog would arrive. And for many households, that catalog would be literally worn out by Christmas Day. Pages falling out. Oh man, that catalog would, would follow you into the bathroom. It would follow you into the bathtub. It would lay beside you in your bed. I mean, we as kids would pour over that catalog. Eaton's had a catalog of Christmas, too. So it was double joy. And I remember folding pages and, and circling items and talking about stuff in this catalog. I remember one particular Christmas. I can't even remember what it was, but I do remember I wanted a Pinto Pete kit, whatever that was. I, I think there might have been soap in there. Probably never got used. Um, actually, it's probably in the shape of a horse. Uh, there was always something in the catalog to grab a kid's interest. And for the older kids, there might be a pool table, a new snowblower. For the, uh, for, the, for the moms, there would be gorgeous household and kitchen appliances and items that would, would pick her interest. But the Christmas catalog was really something to look forward to. Now, it wasn't always things that grabbed our attention at Christmas. Sometimes it was special events. And I remember when I was 11 years old, we moved away from our city and left my brother behind. And it took him six months to find us. And uh, he was coming home for Christmas to our new home in our new city. And I remember being very excited about my brother coming. And I, I remember how happy I was when when he pulled up in his Volkswagen Beetle, he was 18 years old. He'd been away from home for six months. And I was just so excited about my brother coming home for Christmas. And so thankful that he decided not to go back to his old city, but he stayed home. As we get older, we think of Christmas as, as a special time with, with our kids coming over and grandkids coming over and and the Christmas dinner, and we get more excited about turkey and cranberry sauce than maybe we do about Pinto Pete or anybody else. But, but we have things that we get excited about and look forward to. And we have special Christmases that, that we remember. I, I remember another special Christmas was when I was 15 years old. It was a month before my 16th birthday. And Dad says, go look in the driveway. 
And I went outside, and, and there in the driveway was a 1955 international pickup truck. Black fenders, school bus orange, uh, the, the school district logo uh, blacked out on the door. It was as ugly as sin. But I was as proud as, as, as a peacock, thinking, man, I got myself a truck. And uh, never did really drive it very far because it actually didn't run. Um, but I didn't know that on Christmas Day. And my dad actually didn't either. So we always have things that, that we look forward to. And, and Jesus coming was anticipated. In, in Luke chapter 1, verse 76, uh, it's, it's talked about here with John the Baptist and how he is preparing the way for Jesus. He was preparing the way. He was getting things ready. He was, figuratively speaking, setting the table. The coming of Jesus was anticipated. Not just prophesied, but anticipated. And we also find that the coming of Jesus was arranged. It was divinely arranged. And as we look at Matthew chapter 1, 18 and, and following, we see that God had his fingerprints all over this thing. It was divinely arranged. It, it wasn't just a coincidence. It wasn't just a happening or, or a historical event. This was divinely arranged. His coming was put together by God Almighty. It was really something special. And in that divine arrangement, God chose a young couple by the name of Joseph and Mary and said, you're going to be part of my story. You're going to be part of this. You get to be part of what I'm putting together for, for all of mankind from now and forevermore. You get to be part of what I'm putting together and what I'm arranging. His timing was perfect. Jesus came at exactly the moment that God wanted him to come. And he came in exactly the way he wanted him to come and in exactly the place that he chosen for him to be born. It was all divinely arranged just as God wanted it. And you know what? It was all done to save us. That's why. Not just to make history, but to save us. It was done to save us. And so we move on then to the purpose of Jesus coming. The purpose of Jesus coming was to save people from their sin. That's why. And so when you look around the room today and you say, yeah, we're, we're celebrating Christmas, and it's not just about kids coming over, it's not just going to see mom and dad, it's not just about presents. The whole reason why all of this is happening was because Jesus came to save me from my sin. That's what this is about. It's ridiculous to think of removing Christ from Christmas, of calling it just a, a holiday tree or something else. Because the whole thing that Christmas is about is about Jesus coming to save us from our sin. There was a little girl, 14 years old, and she was on a cruise ship uh, off of Baja, off the Baja coast. Her name was Laura Montero. Laura Montero got sick on this cruise ship and uh, appendicitis attack, and her appendix burst. Now, we all know and understand that that's, that can be fatal, and so she was very sick. They didn't have any medical staff on this particular cruise ship, and so they, they put out a, an emergency call, an SOS call, to any um, 
medical units that might be nearby. Well, it turned out that the USS uh, Ronald Reagan aircraft carrier was the closest ship with medical facilities. It was 500 miles away. 6,000 people on the crew on the USS Ronald Reagan. They stopped that ship and they turned it around and charged through the night toward this cruise ship with sick little Laura Montero on it. 6,000 people. When they got within 250 miles of the cruise ship, they were close enough now to, to launch the, uh, the helicopter, and they airlifted her back from the cruise ship back to the aircraft carrier and did the operation and saved her life. It costs, I understand, about $2.5 million a day to operate an aircraft carrier. 6,000 people and $2.5 million to rescue one little girl. But somebody in the U.S. government decided that Laura Montero was worth the investment. And if you were to look at this and say, well, how could the parents ever repay this great debt? They couldn't. They couldn't. They could never afford it. It was way beyond their means. They could never repay this. And it's the same with what God has done for us. With God sending his son Jesus to die for our sins and and to come as a babe in a manger to save us from our sins, we could never repay that. It's way too great of a debt to pay. It was a gift from God. And he deemed you and I worthy to be saved. He deemed you and I worth the investment and so the, the price for our salvation was, was paid in full. And we could never repay it. And it brings alive those words in John 3.16. That says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but of everlasting life, everlasting life that is free to us, everlasting life that we could never earn, everlasting life that we could never pay back. It was a gift. It was his Christmas gift to you. Salvation. Jesus is your Christmas gift. Jesus came with one purpose, and that was to save us. And and it brings us to the third point this morning, and that is the the power of his coming. You know, in a few days, we're going to be driving down the road and you're going to see signs and billboards advertising treadmills for 60% off and elliptical trainers and weights. And we're probably going to get inundated with uh, Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers commercials. And we'll probably have a few gyms that are offering memberships, and they say that it's really busy in a gym for about the first week of January, and then the regulars show up, and that's it. What's it What's it all about? It is about us as people looking at our lives at an intersection. A, a, a new year is always an intersection where we evaluate the past and we look to the future, 
and we say, I need to change. I need to change. I need to get in shape this year. I need to lose weight this year. I need to improve my health this year. And so many people do it. And the retailers are more than happy to take your money to help you to do that. But the reality is, is that we are limited in our natural ability to change. We may want to change, but man, do we ever find it hard to change? And when you, when you start to look at some of the, the deeper issues of our life that we try to change, those are really hard things to change. Like, for instance, an attitude. If, if you've been raised in a, a home that is critical and negative, it's really hard to break out of that mold. If, 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 you, if you have been raised in a home where you've never been affirmed, where you've never been encouraged, where you've been put down, boy, it's really hard to silence those voices in our heads that tell us that we're not worth anything. That's hard to change. If you are living with addictions, we know that those things are hard to change as well. If we have bad habits, those things are are hard to change. And a lot of people are defeated by the the hard things in life that, that they can't seem to change. And I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. And I want to speak to that very issue for just a moment. And this talks about how we can change. And that Jesus' coming brings with it the power to change. It wasn't just a nice story, but there is complete transformation that God wants to bring bring about in our lives through the power of Jesus Christ and through salvation. And we can actually change. And so Ephesians chapter 4, 20 says, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. And you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and and holiness. And so we see in this passage of Scripture three ways, I guess you could say a prescription, on how we can change. The first one is to lay aside. Change happens when we lay aside, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the old life, in exchange for a new life in Christ. That's where it starts. When I was just 10 years old, I laid aside the old life when I received Jesus as my Savior. And for some people, it might not be 10 years old, it might be 50 years old or 25 years old, whatever. But when we come to Jesus, that's when we lay aside the old life in exchange for a new life in Christ. And then change continues in our lives when when we get renewed. When the inner man is renewed. 
And here's how renewal can happen in our lives. First of all, when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. And so we're not any longer having to live on our own strength and our own power. But now we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. The power of God. The presence of God. And we get to draw on the power of God to work in our lives. And we're renewed day by day. Another way that, that, we, that we can actually feed this renewal that takes place in our lives is, is just the Word of God. Getting the Word of God into you. Reading the Bible. Spending time in prayer. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. All of these things bring change. And so we don't have to live according to the old ways and the old flesh. And, and, and we don't have to be powerless in our lives. But we can actually begin to experience the power of God in our lives. And he gives us the tools to do it and to be different people. To be able to put off the old man. And that brings us to the next part, and that is to, to put on um, to put on the new man, a new life in Christ. And so before, before you knew Christ, you might say that you had some, some dirty clothes, some dirty garments, or some old garments. And when we, when we come to Christ, we, we figuratively speaking put on new garments. We're clothed in new garments that that are provided to us through Jesus Christ. Garments that we weren't known to wear before. Garments of, of righteousness. We put on new garments. And we're changed. And our lives look different. And we act different. And you begin to think different. And you begin to feel different. And you begin to put off some of the old attitudes that you could never get over with before. Some of the old negative ways of thinking you, you begin to overcome because you put on new life in Jesus Christ. You might say, you wear Jesus. We lay aside the old and we're renewed and we put on new life in Christ and we are enabled and we are helped and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Salvation is the beginning of us experiencing supernatural power. And there is power in Jesus coming. There is power that goes to work in your life when you receive Christ. There is power that goes to work in your life, that is released in your life when you receive Christ. And Christ came into this world as a babe in a manger so that every man, woman, and child that ever lived would have an opportunity to receive him, to be transformed. Why wouldn't anybody want that? Why wouldn't anybody want a, a better life? Why wouldn't anybody, everybody want hope and joy and contentment? Why wouldn't everybody in the world want to enjoy life and live with peace in a very troubled world? Why wouldn't we want that? And so we should, we should expect great things of God. Jesus came as a babe in a manger not to give us a mediocre Christian life. And if you're living a mediocre Christian life, let me challenge you to do better, to reach higher, and to go deeper. Let me encourage you to, 
as, as you move out of 2019 and into a new decade to make this the best decade of your walk with God. Jesus came in a, as a babe in a manger not to give us a mediocre or powerless salvation, but to transform us, to change us, to be more like him, to save us from our sin, and to change our lives. And we can live with hope. We can live with hope and expectancy and the realization that this Jesus who came once is coming again, and he's coming soon. He's coming for us. Let's bow in a word of prayer.